Business development, or BD, has evolved a lot over the years. However, the pandemic sped up the future and that the move to remote work came seemingly overnight instead of gradually over a decade. On this episode, I chat with Parag Singh, who shares with us his approach to cultivating business and fostering professional partnerships in the age of Zoom. I'm Jared Carpenter, and this is Wi-Fi and Water. Parag Singh, welcome to Wi-Fi Water. How are you? I am great, Jared. Thanks for having me over your virtual studio. I'm excited. Yay. <laughs> Here we are in my, in my virtual studio. You know, yeah. I always think about putting up a really cool background so it looks like a very hip studio. It's like all white and looks futuristic, like from the fifth element, but I, I haven't gotten around to that yet. So <laughs> no, no problems. That, that's why we have a Photoshop. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I should probably do that because right now it's just you know, you just see some, it just, it's the, it's the closet where I record from. So, right. and I think that that's actually a good segue into what we're going to talk about today, which is the ever changing landscape of business development as we move into the future, which is now, which is tomorrow, which is in three or four or five years, 10 years from now, right. and how it's changed over the pandemic and how maybe, you know, business has been kind of conducted for the past 2000 years, which I feel like is a lot of in-person meetings and it's a lot of trust and it's a lot of all these things. And now I guess one of the questions I want to start off with, which is, do you think it's more difficult now to create trust over Zoom as we are now, right? as opposed to sitting down with somebody, especially if they're from a different culture or what have you, shaking their hand, looking them in the eye and sharing food? Because I feel like from the dawn of time, most business has kind of been done over food. And I don't know if you're an office fan. Michael Scott once said, Chili's is the new golf course, meaning like right. we, we're going to go to some chain restaurant, sit down, and we're going to look at projections right. of revenue. Is Zoom the new Chili's? How does that influence trust? Where, where are we? Great, great questions. And, and before we jump into you know uh, COVID and its impact to business, how business development is being done, let me let me turn the table and let me ask you, how did you come up with Wi-Fi and water? What a cool, catchy name. So it, it definitely takes care of the two basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I guess. So, so what's, the, what's the origin behind the name? So exactly. Thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I'm constantly thinking about that in the world that we're living in. Right. One of the things I'm most passionate about, I think, you know, in the future, I want to make it more part of my professional purpose portfolio of working towards is talking about climate change and how it's going to affect every single one of us on the planet. If we thought that the pandemic was going to affect us, well, climate change definitely is. And so I started the podcast in the midst of the pandemic as a way to continue to share content and tell other people's stories. And since I joined the Peace Corps in 2010, the two most important things in my life, other than, you know, family, things like that, other than like actual interpersonal relationships have definitely been my relationship to and how I interact with Wi-Fi and water. After right. having lived in a country where you can't drink the water out of the tap, because that's a huge privilege that I think a lot of people in the United States maybe aren't aware of, yep. I started to think more about you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and then just the basic question of needs and wants, right? right? Because we all think that we need Wi-Fi 
yeah, maybe we want water or something to drink when we're thirsty. When the reality of it is we know that if we don't have water for 48 hours, we're probably going to die. But if we don't have Wi-Fi for 48 hours, we may actually be better people, right? If we go off into the woods for three days and we just meditate or stare at a river, as long as we have our water, we're going to be fine. If we don't have Wi-Fi, we're probably going to be fine too, because the world's like not going to end. And then we're going to go back and Instagram's still going to be there. TikTok's still right. going to be there. There's going to be at my Google calendar, which is full with things on Zoom or whatever. And so it was kind of a, it was, it was a couple of things. One, I wanted to touch upon that dichotomy of needs and wants, especially in our consumerist digital culture, where we're kind of like, oh, without Wi-Fi, I can't survive. And then the other one was just strictly from a more strategic and an SEO standpoint, when you search Wi-Fi and water, it comes up quickly. And <laughs> if you learn the English language and English is the language of the internet and the internet of things, people know how to spell water. It's a very basic word in English. Right. And Wi-Fi is understood that word in almost every single language. You know, right. you'll be speaking another language and then you'll hear people say Wi-Fi and then they'll keep going in their flow. So I wanted it to be something that was relatable for everyone. And even, as you said, even just ask the question, why? Why did you call it Wi-Fi and water? And so I guess it was kind of like that. Well, that's, that's very interesting. And thanks for the color. Well, I'm thinking that how if you can insert oxygen, a very important and basic human need for survival, <laughs> to the name, you can call it wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now that you have heard it here first, I expect a royalty check soon. <laughs> you will, you will get your, you will get your royalty check. I'll, 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 I'll talk to the board and see if they approve. <laughs> right. But hey, again, thanks for having me over. So let, let me, let me give you some backdrop so that we can have some context. Well, I'm your telecom athlete, uh, you know, next door, uh, and a servant to my wife and an ATM to my two teenagers, <laughs> an avid traveler, fierce Lionel Messi supporter, go Barca. A music lover stuck in the 80s and a foodie by nature, right? So, so in short, I'm a nobody believing in a simple philosophy of life. Humankind, be both. So now that you asked me a question of COVID, the business and BD. So on the professional front, I run business development and solutions and partnerships for a boutique consultancy firm, Vidality, located in the DC area. So I was lucky enough to start my career in the early 90s where, you know, the world was moving from analog to digital. And here I was all of 21 years old being handed a cell phone for testing purposes. And, and people around me thought it's an AM FM radio. <laughs> so that's how my journey started. And from there, I believe today I have 25 years of experience, uh, you know, launching next generation technologies. Think about all the G's, you know, 2G, 3G, 4G, and now 5G. And I have privileged to have worked with both Fortune 100 and small businesses across the commercial sector. So earned enough battle scars working in the labs, the corporate, the field to light up major cities across the, the globe with wireless technology. So yes, COVID has hit the world hard, but today I'm actively engaged with my team in uh, ushering in next generation solutions in 5G, rural broadband, connected transport and smart buildings. So that's, that's a bit of a color on the backdrop. So. Now, from a business high-level perspective of COVID, right? Let's start with, man, 2020. What a year in history, and we sure are living in unprecedented times, right? 
this COVID has certainly turned everyone's life upside down. And my heart goes out to everyone who has been affected, right? My salute to the brave healthcare and essential care workers keeping us safe. And also a special shout out for the teachers and class of 2020 and 2021 for hanging in there and accepting the new normal and basically rising to the challenge. So we all know that the, the, this pandemic has uh, had a devastating impact on you know, the global economy and small businesses, right? It's like restaurants, travel, brick and mortar industries, theater and performing arts, uh, health and fitness establishments. They all are suffering as of today. Now, on the same token, what started as a crisis response which has become the next normal, right? There are success stories aplenty. So there are companies who have taken advantage of stunning developments in digital transformation. So one of my favorite quote is from Sun Tzu in The Art of War, right? That there is always opportunity, opportunity amidst chaos. And I feel companies with a digital backbone will survive or maybe thrive a little bit better during these unprecedented times. Thinking of Sun Tzu and the art of war, I believe it's in Sun Tzu where he says, there's the comment that warring nations during times of peace are preparing for battle. And in that kind of mind, do you feel as I feel, this is like my opinion, and I guess I'm going to bounce it off you. I feel like during times of peace or times of chaos or however you want to say it, if you're able to navigate COVID appropriately, make sure that your balance sheet doesn't get out of whack, stay in, you know, stay in a positive cash flow. Is there any way that those companies that are able to navigate COVID don't just see crazy revenue streams kind of go up or aren't seeing that now as at least the global economy is starting to bounce back? Right. So, so as you stated, right, the companies that quickly embrace the digital revolution, right, and they adapted to the new environment, they seem to have fared better overall. And these are examples around us, like, you know, delivery services such as DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, they have actually been very successful, right? Now take the example of Instacart. When everybody was busy typing, can, can one get coronavirus at the grocery store? That, so that was the, uh, you know, the birth of Instacart, right? Online giants like Amazon, Walmart, and Costco, they have thrived during the pandemic. Why? Because people tried cooking on their own. They wanted to fill their social media feeds with photos and videos of baking products and making cakes and other treats. All great. And we all know about our obsession with toilet paper and paper rolls, right? So another example is, you know, all those, uh, you know, every channel is an app now. So we have Netflix, Amazon Prime, HBO Max, Disney. Each one of these have had historical growths. So where I'm going with this is that it reminds me of the Moneyball quote. With, with Billy Bean, uh, you know, the GM of the Oakland Athletics goes, adapt or die. And companies who embrace this transformation, even before the pandemic had hit, are skating through this as a two-foot wave as opposed to a tsunami for other companies who were a bit little ill-prepared. Thinking about Amazon, I recently read a quote from Jeff Bezos that was basically like, big companies normally have a ceiling of about 30 years and right. then something will happen. It, not like some kind of event will happen, like the pandemic, which is almost similar to like a black swan event in business or something like that. And then the tide changes and people do something different, right? Kodak, 
photo used to be a huge thing in the United States. And then almost overnight with Instagram and the fact that everyone was now walking around with better pixelation than most digital cameras overnight, it was lost. Not only are people not using their film, but people aren't using their hardware. Is there a future in which you think Amazon and Walmart and their online retailers, like what would it take to, what would it take to, to usurp them and their power and their current market cap? Right. So think of this way. These companies have been successful over the years because they have readily embraced that change is a constant. So that's the most important thing because we are, we should always be re-engineering, whether it is a professional company or whether it's a, it's a personality trait. We should always be looking inwards first on what can we do better, faster, cheaper. How can we keep on adding value to whom we serve? Right. So we talk about digital transformation when it comes to these online giants, but it has to hit at the grassroots level. So I'll give you a very good example. So I was recently in India early this year. And what's amazing is that let me give an interesting perspective, you know, how digital transformation is actually assisting a local farmer in the New Delhi, India area. Right. So so, So think farm to the table concept. Fruit and vegetable farmers, they usually come to the community doorsteps when we're talking about an urban suburban area. And it's an essential part of an, a typical Indian life, right? Now, while the Indian economy has increasingly digitalized, many of these farmers still conduct business through traditional means. And what do I mean by traditional mean is predominantly one-to-one human interaction, buyer-seller negotiation, you know, so on and so forth. So now post-COVID, the the human element completely disappeared. And buyers naturally look to the online big boys. You know, we're talking about the Amazon Fresh and Walmart equivalent. So enter WhatsApp from Facebook to the local farmer rescue. So each community, they came up with one centralized group uh, dedicated for the local farmer. And they started placing order for the day or, or for the week in advance. Now, how great is this? Because this became an efficient way of ordering produce on WhatsApp with contactless delivery and cash pickup. So if you extend that thought, the farmer knew exactly the amount of inventory to carry prior to making that long trek to the community. And for the, 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 the buyer, it's freshness guaranteed. So at the grassroots level, that's how digital transformation is aiding that human connection. I, I have my master's in international affairs, and I think it's one of the things that's pushing me to think about climate change and subsistence farming and even at the very low level. But I've often said that development work across the globe falls apart tomorrow in an instant if you take away WhatsApp. Because the second I meet anyone or I'm doing any kind of work on the ground, everyone has WhatsApp. It is right. one of the things, it's probably one of the best buys Facebook has ever done. I know they bought Instagram for a billion and everyone thought that was a deal. I think right. WhatsApp was one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest arbitrages that Facebook ever did to be able to kind of get in the communication web of everyone on the planet. Because there are many people that probably don't have Facebook, but they still use WhatsApp daily as a way, as a means of commerce. And looking at India, can you talk to me about how technology and, and digital payments are happening in India because what I hear is that in India, digital payments and you know exchanging value peer to peer is just done at a much higher level. You know, here we have 
Cash oh. App, or we, when I say here, I mean the United yes. States. Here we have Cash App, we have Venmo, but even in doing that, I feel like there's still a good amount of friction. I have to open up the app. It's just not as quick. Uh, and I was hearing from a traveler a couple of years ago that, you know, he's like, hey, I'm in India. It was great. What I loved most about it was the lower amounts of friction whenever I wanted to buy anything. I just scanned a QR code and it was done. Yes. So, so it's basically, yes. So what I experienced was that it is very well integrated, digital payment and the associated platforms. It's very well integrated to the socioeconomic fabric. It's, so it has become a way of life. Nothing can supersede human to human interaction, but these are your aid platform, so as to speak, to facilitate a transaction much more quicker and faster. Now, we have seen this now on, on a global level or even at a local level, right? You, you talked about uh, Zoom, right? We are actually having this conversation over Zoom. So we have experienced a massive shift to digital. In the COVID era, era the video and live chat has emerged as the, the predominant channel for interaction, be it internal or external stakeholders. So the industry is calling it overall the conversational cloud. So that's the buzzword with chatbots and automated self-care mixer in for good measure. Now, this conversational cloud, you have to look at it as a force multiplier. Going forward, COVID or no COVID, we are in a minority report, fifth element kind of a Hollywood digitalized world. And I was recently reading a, a, a McKenzie a Global Pulse report where a whopping 75% business leaders responded to utilizing video chat over in-person meeting since the, the COVID blanket covered us all. So, so think of a minute now. A video chat with a potential paying customer from home, your own personal space. I think it is amazing that one can have a human to human interaction level from this personal space, because this is fantastic to build trust and take business relationship to the next level. As it is simple, it is organic with no artificial air baked in. So you talked about, uh, you know, you started the conversation on Zoom and trust. So this is what I think. What has the success of Zoom and Microsoft Teams shown us during this time of the pandemic? Well, we do not, we do not need the fancy schmancy Hugo Boss suits anymore. The corner Belgium glass conference room or the three martini lunches to conduct day-to-day -day business. Uh, a Led Zeppelin tea, homemade cup of joe and the backdrop noise of kids, pets, Roomba or your nosy neighbor. Well, that is the new normal I'm here to stay. So that's the beauty of embracing the new normal. And it is not localized to a particular region. It's worldwide. And, and hey, on a side note, I've always maintained that if clothes ever made a man, Ralph Lauren would have been Pope. <laughs> and, and I speak with you wearing my ACDC t-shirt. So, you know, so I live by my words. <laughs> you know, I was half expecting you to have on a, a Lionel Messi jersey today. <laughs> no man, we're not we're not winning much, so let's not go there. <laughs> okay, we won't we won't go there. In some sense, the way you the way you just phrased it, and I hadn't thought about this before, and so this is my thoughts in real time. But it's kind of like what we're doing now in business, where we're talking with people, and you're letting them into your home, and you're zooming with someone who you just met, or is through a networking thing, or you're it's a new client you're going to onboard, and all of a sudden you're talking to this person, and then their three year old daughter or son comes into picture. Right. It all of a sudden shows and it almost creates a deeper level of trust that could ever be attained sitting across, like you said, at a three martini lunch 
where like, we're literally wearing costumes, you know, right. we're, we're, we're showing up because that's how, you know, it's like going to the country club. We've been told that this is the dress code. Therefore, right. when we go to that space, we're that code. However, when we're from our houses and we can dress in ACDC t-shirts or, you know, messy jerseys or whatever we want, it, I think it's creating, like you said, it's even a deeper level of connection and potential trust. Right. And one of the things I was looking at recently is for air travel and learning more that like, Every time I travel and I get a cheap flight to go anywhere, my cheap flight is subsidized by the business class, right? You have the 12 or 14 seats and those are sold at a higher premium. And so they subsidize all the seats in the back. And people are saying that, you know, we may do away with business class forever because business people, as you were saying, per the McKenzie study, they just may not be traveling in the future. They just may not see the need. They can actually save more money and still get the end goal. If business travel is going to be down, does that in any way stagnate globalization or in some sense, does it actually speed it up? Because now we're just a Zoom call away from making a big deal between right. companies and countries. I feel that we all are going to be seeking a fairness equilibrium with a bit of adaptability and a whole lot of positive mindset. So there is immense value in co-working, huddling, whiteboarding. Maybe not for all the positions, but a significant portion of the function that one caters to. As you're aware, corporate America today was created on the power of networking and, and belonging to a sense of community. I also understand that there is fear and anxiety uh, you know, of people forgetting how to be social and not able to invent and learn together is, is real in some cases. So it's, it's again, it comes back to the fairness equilibrium. On one hand, there is no more rush hour today. It's such a productivity killer, right? No more sitting at a desk or a cubicle for eight to 10 hours. More freedom to browse Facebook or your Robinhood account while being a participant in a town hall meet with 50x people. So again, there is a yin and yang that is going on. But what it comes down to, you know, at the end of the day is how does one conduct business? So, so to me, I, I, I'll give an example of like one of my favorite author, Malcolm Gladwell, author of Blink and Tipping Point. He beautifully represented when it comes to selling and delivering, it's the concept of the messenger and the message itself. So the messenger is a person who's blessed with a, with a gregarious personality and high EQ and a, a connector basically, right? Who loves collecting people and associate interaction and has a high likability personality trait. And then arm this messenger with the right message. And that's your recipe for success. Be it face-to-face, -face, be it online, it does not matter. So here's an exa interesting example that uh, I was reading from uh, Malcolm Gladwell, that we know that, you know, in history, Paul Revere had all the attributes of a connector or a messenger. Now imagine Paul Revere riding in the midnight, connecting with half of Massachusetts with a message about sale of pewter mugs at, at his fabrication shop as opposed to the Britishers are coming. I don't think the Amer American revolution stood a chance, right? So I think COVID or no COVID, the message and the messenger still are the basic ingredients for business development, right? The rules have definitely changed, but the game remains the same. And, and I firmly believe it all boils down to human connections at the end of the day. So what's been the message? If you're listening, and Paul Revere being the pandemic is driving by, what's the message that you hear? Well, we, we the, the human spirit, right? 
it's it's very resilient and we are all going to be a okay so i think that paul revere would agree with andy dufresne from shawshank that hope is a good thing even the greatest of things and no good thing ever dies i just love these references as a guy who's currently sitting in massachusetts and you know our local mls teams supporters group is called the midnight riders a la paul revere right and I also love Shawshank Redemption. So these are amazing cultural and historical references. And thinking about the pandemic, you know, I, I, I try to think about the pandemic sometimes and I, I put myself on the moon. And what I mean is I go 100 years into the future. So it's right. 2120. And now we're talking about the pandemic just the way I think when the pandemic started, we started to look back at 1918 and say, okay, how did we deal with that flu? What were the responses? What was the overall global behavior change that happened then? And so when I think about 2120 and I try to look back, I just don't see a world where everything isn't online. I don't see a world where value isn't exchanged, almost even sometimes decentralized and peer to peer. And then I start to think more about cryptocurrency and how that could influence business development moving forward. Because instead of if you're working with Widelity in the United States and you want to broker a deal with somebody in India, Maybe it's no longer the conversation between dollars and rupees. The conversation is how much Bitcoin are we going to use? How much Ethereum are we going to use? And so looking into the future and the crystal ball and it's 2120 and we're looking back, do you think we're going to be able to then look back and say, hey, you know, the the companies that really started to adopt and embrace cryptocurrency, either by taking it on their balance sheet, by using some of their cash on hand to buy it or starting to transact in it. Will those companies have gotten ahead or will they have fallen behind? I think that you're absolutely right that in this case, you've got to, you've got to embrace the change that is happening now. And it all comes down to, to leadership and take advantage of the current slowdown, which will help them emerge stronger when this crisis goes away. So what do I mean by that is the successful companies led by amazing leaders, they're re-engineering the corporation for, for whom the lockdown has meant an effective freeze of operations. But again, this is, you've got to redirect capital and capacity, align with all stakeholders for optimization, look for, for tactical short-term wins and to, to build a long-term evolution and basically go beyond this crisis response and build a digital backbone for both resiliency and maturity, right? The examples that I gave you earlier, those companies have successfully done that. So yes, so, so now when we look at a typical works place solution in this COVID era. It's out of necessity that businesses are increasingly moving to more remote and flexible workforces. So as workforce will go remote, having the right collaborative technology and security has become the the top priority for executives. So I boil it down to like, you know, taking the case of Vitality and other companies around me. It starts with leadership, people, function, technology and data and automation. They all have to go hand in hand to make it work. So the companies that have succeeded during the COVID era, they have digitalized the customer experience and the engagement. You talked about Zoom, you talked about WhatsApp, you talked about digital payments, right? That's the the customer experience and engagement with, with apps. On top of that, one has to actually build self-learning organizations. And what do I mean by that? It's the empowerment of people at lower levels to make decisions. Use data-driven strategies and analytics to better serve the customer. 
and seek new revenue growth through these technology toolkits. And the last but not the least, it's accelerating the automation, transforming both the backend and the front-end engine for process and operational efficiencies. So I think that's, that's your uh, key to success. Digitalize the customer experience, build self-learning organization, and accelerate automation. And I'm sure you're seeing that on both ends. So let, let me shamelessly promote Vidality for, for a minute or two because I run business development solutions. So why, why has Vidality succeeded during this pandemic? Well, we embraced distributed workforce and remote working culture since inception. And that was one brilliant masterstroke. That was, I think, more serendipity. But it's the, the entire culture. So our corporate mantra of service over sales, people over profits, and honor over hustle, that has kept us grounded. And that's our moral compass. So the flurry of heartwarming responses that the corporate vitality has received from the vitality people have exhibited that in the face of this crisis, you know, it reveals our tremendous willingness and ability to help others. These truths will persist when life goes back to normal. And as I stated, it all starts with leadership. The, the leadership comes down to, you know, you've got to do leadership with people and not to people. So our president and owner, David Wiley, he has, has always inculcated a stronger as a team attitude. And that defines us as a corporation. He lives by this quote that leaders don't create followers, but create more leaders. Now, today, our CEO, Paul, is leading the company in building a trust-based ecosystem with employees, customers, and partners alike, and, and how our well-being is interconnected. So these kind of attributes have helped us skate through this global pandemic. And one of my favorite inference is it's the five C's, right? That defines a corporation. It's the corporate leadership, communication, collaboration, creativity, and the most important one that we, that we forget, common sense. So it's these five C's that have to work together and gel. And actually, you know, Vitality is succeeding during this COVID era. And uh, it, it goes back to those three things that I had talked about earlier. It's like digitalizing the customer experience, building self-learning organization, and uh, automating the front and back end. I absolutely love that quote. And I've never heard that before. So this is one of the reasons why I like to also podcast because I learn a lot. It's kind of, you know, I, I learn a lot too, is that really good leaders create other leaders. They don't create followers. And I right. think that that is something... I'm going to think more on that and then also start to be like, wow, is that person a good leader or are they just creating followers and see how that works? And thinking about communication at the beginning of the podcast, you said all of these G's, you know, I was one G, two G, now we're up to five G as kind of a, and there is no right answer to this, I don't think, but it's something I've been thinking about more. And I was read an article on it and it's, it's just kind of, you know, like any good article it left me with good question, more questions than answers. It allowed right. me to open up more. And I'm holding this phone up so you can see it, but you know, we're on a podcast. Is there a future with communication where cell phones aren't the central part of our lives? It's not the way that the corporations communicate with their clients or their customers. It's not an app-based universe. And I say that because in 2002, I remember we traveled to New York from Massachusetts down to New York. And I remember that time the family had one cell phone. Right. It was this clunky, heavy Motorola. You could pop the battery off and that had to charge separately. And if you were born in the 90s, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about, but I'm, an, I'm a late 80s baby. So 
I remember at that time thinking, you know, if we don't have the cell phone or we do have the cell phone, it's not a big deal. We're going to figure out New York. We're going to get a map out. Right. Now I go to New York and without using Google maps, it's a little bit more of a difficult thing. I don't know where the bus is going to go, et cetera, et cetera. So now it's such a huge part of our lives. Right. Do you think in the future, is there a world in which cell phones aren't the main communication hardware? And if not, what could it be? Let's talk about that for a second. To me, technology has done more good than bad. We are living in a digital revolution. We went from cognitive to agriculture to scientific. And this is centuries and centuries of time. We are, this digital revolution is going to surpass all of those previous revolutions combined. So to me, yes, cell phone in the near future is, is going to disappear. Guess what? How are we going to be communicating? Hey, it's your visual aid eye. It could be a chip in your eye. You blink once, that's your phone call. Blink twice, that's a video chat. Who knows? But what do we know is that we are breakthrough innovation is happening in real time. So from sending a man to the moon, splitting the atom, we are today learning the impact of COVID through genetic code mapping. How awesome is that? We are creating a non-fungible token out of a painting which is created by a humanoid robot. And we are trying to offer high-speed worldwide web through a private space program. So all of this is happening today. What can I say? It's like, hey, welcome to the new digital revolution. The sky's the limit. If people want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn more about what Widelity does as far as being on the frontier of communication, how can they do that? What's the best way to get in touch with you? I'm on 24-7. So you'll have my email, my cell phone, you know, let's go. Happy to have a conversation. And, And again, it's all about building relationships one brick at a time. And I'm a firm believer of having a conversation first, human interactions. Parag, thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk soon. Sure, thanks for having me over, Jared. Thoroughly enjoyed my first podcast experience. Have an awesome rest of your day and hey, live long and prosper. Cheers. Thanks. <laughs> All right, take care. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you'd like to get in touch with Parag, he can be found on LinkedIn, P-A-R-A-G-S-I-N-G-H. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Wi-Fi and Water Podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the pod and leave a review. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.